Ephesians 5, verses 1 to 14 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who covets, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the opportunity to, uh, to study it, to be challenged by it, encouraged by it, uh, formed by it. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be here among us, speaking to us from this passage, changing our hearts and molding them into your image, more like you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I'm going to start with uh, some sporting news because I like sports. Um, and this one particularly hit home because one of our assistant coaches at our fine university was implicated. And so the big news this week in college basketball is that shoe companies, you may have heard this, shoe companies and financial advisors uh, were paying assistant coaches to get players to commit to particular schools that would benefit said shoe companies or said financial advisors. Um, Not a good thing. Uh, People sort of have rumblings. This is sort of the culture of Uh, the entity itself, but never has the FBI come and gotten involved and investigated such things uh, because of uh, wire transfers and and significant amounts of money crossing state lines and these sorts of things. Um, And so this is a shocker to to the the college basketball world this this week and has got a lot of people on, uh, on pins and needles to see where and how far this thing actually goes because no one's really sure how far and how deep this thing goes. Um, so with that, I had a dream when I was a boy that, uh, that I'd like to play in the NBA. Okay, I think there's a number of people here that 
uh, might have wanted to play sports at a professional level. Maybe one person here that, I know I I talked to you about it. Anybody else wanted to play pro sports when they were a kid? Sandy's, no. John? Snowboarding? Snowboarding. Okay, yeah, okay, there you go. I, I, when I was a boy, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. My mom was like, you're too short. Um, it's not going to happen. Um, even, even at six foot, which is tall for, you know, uh, in, taller than average, uh, not even close in, in basketball. I mean, the average is probably 6'6 six, six at this point. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. I loved basketball, and I was pretty good. Um, but... It turns out that the odds of making your way into the NBA are very, 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 very small. Like, tiny. Okay? So, some quick stats for you. I promise this does come back around. Um, to go from the NCAA to the pros, okay, to play professional basketball, 1.1% of NCAA basketball players make it to the pros. 1% of all the, actually thousands of collegiate basketball players make, it, make the transition from the NCAA to professional basketball at the NBA level. It's 19% for other pro opportunities like Euro and, you know, other leagues and things. But 1% to the NBA, okay? So, you know, I mean, 1%, like one out of every 100, like you could be good enough to do one out of 100, except that in order to get in the NCAA... Uh, the odds are small for that too. So to make the transition from high school to the NCAA in, in e- any division, division one, two, or three, only 3.4% of all high school basketball players across our whole nation make the transition from high school to, uh, to college basketball at, at any level. 1% go to the highest level, Division One. So if you're planning to go to the NBA, you've got to be in Division One. So you've got to be really in the top 1% of high school basketball players to make that transition. And, you know, I mean, just sort of averaging things out for myself and thinking about my odds to get to the NBA, I did play junior high basketball, uh, which is 8th, 6th uh, to ninth, or sorry, 8th uh, and ninth grade in our hometown. Um, and I did start, I did start for the B team. Um, and I did get to travel on multiple occasions for the A team. So I don't know. I mean, I think if I would have worked really hard at it and put the effort in, I probably could have made it onto the high school basketball team. Maybe the bench, you know, maybe, uh, or maybe JV. I could definitely do JV. Really, when you look at this, the odds of me actually realizing my dream, just statistically, right, uh, to, to go from a uh, middle school boy that wants to be an NBA basketball star, is listening to Michael Jordan, you know, make fantastic shots on the radio uh, in the 90s, and is like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to do that, you know? Uh, the, the, the odds are very slim, very, very, very slim. It just wasn't going to happen for me. Um, for some kids, though, that's not true. For some kids, they, they're right there. Uh, they can almost taste it that if they get the right break or go to the right place, they really could make the transition and be one of the, uh, the 1% of the 1% of the 1% that get into the NBA and make that, that move. 
So as I was looking at this, you know, reading about this uh, scandal and, and money moving and, and things, I thought to myself, man, if I were one of those kids that was that good, would I fall into this? I mean, it's a good question. And actually, when you look at it, there's really a lot of justification that you could go through in your mind if you're a star athlete and have an opportunity to, to move forward, right? And I mean, honestly, if, if I was in this case, it would, be, you know, it would be a tough decision if someone came to me and said, hey, here's $100,000. We want you to go to this school instead of that school. We're going to hook you up long term. You're going to have this contract, blah, 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 blah. You know, just think about it. Justification for a kid to take money in order to give a commitment at a, at a collegiate level. Okay, it's a broken system. What other profession in the world are you not able to receive the market value of your services when you are 18? Think of one where you aren't able to be paid what you're worth when you're 18? There's not many. Yeah, maybe military. Yeah, there you go. Some different, different uh, pieces there. There's not many other professions that you can say, hey, you know, these are my skills, pay me what they're worth. And they can say, actually, we can't because you have to come to college and do this thing. And so, you know, sorry, you're going to have to be in college for a year before you can go and get paid for what your skills attain to. Okay, so there. Okay, a lot of situations for these kids, their families and them have come from financial hardship. I mean, literally, have come from dirt poor, broken homes. And when someone comes and says, hey, uh, we can set your family up with $100,000. You're going to get a shoe deal at some point. Everybody's doing this. It's a broken system. You know, things are happening, you know. Okay. When an assistant coach comes to you and, and says those things, says, hey, this is how it works. This is how it goes. And, and you're being recruited all these people, but they're doing the same thing to others. Can you hear the, the little words just slowly pursuing you to go in a different direction and, and do something that you know really deep down you really shouldn't do. So you say, okay, it's, uh, it's, it's cool everyone's doing it, so there, I've got that taken care of. Uh, you know, my family needs money, uh, you know, and so they're, they're, you know, it's a broken system. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why someone could, when they're presented with this information, would say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the money. You know, college coaches are getting paid in the millions to run these teams. Universities are making even more millions off of the, the rights to show these kids. And uh, it'd be a tough thing to look at the thing and say, is this fair? Yeah, it's fair. I'll take the money. But let me just say this. I mean, the most at fault in this situation are coaches and universities to an extent and shoe companies involved. Clear fault here for them, and to uh, persuade a kid, really, to take this decision and make this decision and ruin opportunities for his life is awful, okay? But let me just tell you, when you start seeing secret meetings and shady activities and things that sound like they're too good to be true, they're probably too good to be true. Walk the other way. Seriously, I mean, it's honestly, as you look at this story, it, it is sort of hard to say to this kid, hey, like, man, I don't know what I would have done in your shoes. 
I have to wrestle with that a little bit, you know? I would hope that I make the right decision. And there are plenty of kids that are making the right decision there. But it's not as black and white as we'd like to make it. It's, uh, there are some difficulties. And so, but again, what's happening here is people are being brought into hotels and these secret meetings and things and having these conversations and you just know something's up and you've got to walk away. You've got to walk the other direction. Okay, so why do I bring that up? Um, besides the fact that I like sports and like telling you about sports and encouraging you to be involved in sports world. Um, we can look at this and say, well, there's no way that I would get trapped into anything like that that would you know, have any negative effect on me or my family or anybody around me. You could say that. <laughs> but it's just not true. The fact is that there are equally insidious traps around us each every day, whether ethical or financial or relational, you name it. We live in a world that, like it or not, wants to entrap us in itself. And as it turns out, we also have a nature in ourselves that wouldn't mind getting involved in some things. We have traps set by our own flesh, traps set by schemes of others around us, and traps set by forces of evil that exist in our world. And so how, how do you become a person that, when, when faced with this opportunity, this once-in-a-lifetime chance or whatever, walks the other way because they know it's wrong? How do you become that person? And I'll tell you, the passage today shows us that very clearly, and it's going to be very simple for us. If we're going to avoid the traps that are in our world to do the wrong thing, we're going to have to know what it is to walk with a clear direction. See, the truth is that some of these players that got caught up in this They didn't have the right wisdom and counsel around them. They didn't. I I guarantee you they didn't. They didn't have someone come in and say, hey, you probably shouldn't while you're on, you know, uh, this visit to this city, go hang out in a hotel with some guy that's a little bit shady and his little buddy. Okay? You probably shouldn't do that. Just run away. Okay? They didn't have wise counsel. And it's important that uh, that we see that. If we're going to avoid traps like this, We've got to walk with a clear direction. And what Paul says throughout this passage is, is a continuation of him talking about what it is to be in a new life that God has given us in Christ. And so he talks about a couple things, and these two things he asks us to do in order to walk righteous and holy. And two things, walk away from the darkness and walk into the light. It's really as, as bare-bones simple as that. Walk away from the darkness and walk into the light. If you do both of those things, you won't, you won't take this opportunity. You'll sniff it out and you'll go in the right direction. Walk out of the dark, walk into the light. Paul, in verses 3 to 6, uh, speaks of what the darkness is like around Ephesus at the time. 
And um, this should sound familiar because it's really our culture today too. Verses 3 to 6. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among the saints as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. This is our world. We live in this world right now, okay? Paul's very upfront about this, about sexual morality, impurity, covetousness, which is uh, the desiring of someone else's spouse, uh, m- most specifically in this case. This is, our, this is our world right now. I was reminded of this very clearly this week in other unfortunate news that we came across. So, I don't know if you know, know about this. I mean, this is just sad. This is very sad. Um, there is a, a group that meets on the National Mall on a regular basis. They have a, like a get-together thing. And they usually put up some sort of statue or something to, uh, to celebrate. And this is like, I thought this was a joke when we were reading about it, okay? I thought this, there's no way. This got to be clickbait. This isn't true, okay? This is true. This is our, this is our culture, Okay, and in the past they've had statues of like lions and you know animals and they're huge, fabulous artistic displays, large ones. Okay, what they're going to be putting up uh, next to the national monument, and I really hope it doesn't happen. Honestly, I hope something happens to make it stop. But from November to March, I believe there's going to be a 45-foot statue of a naked woman on the national mall. Okay, this is our world. Sexual immorality, impurity, this is where we live. And I seriously thought it was fake. I thought, I, I was just reading it over, this can't be true. But sure enough, 45-foot statue on the National Mall. This is the country we live in. <laughs> okay. The idea behind this is that somehow it will equalize our gender and have a greater respect of one another and so on and so forth. Let me tell you, it's darkness, okay? Walk away from the darkness. Paul says, sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now, I, I obviously know that none of you are going to go up to Washington and go participate in this hoo-ha stuff that's going on with this. And I, again, I honestly pray and hope that it doesn't happen. Like, mind-blowing that this is, this is where we live. But this is where we live. Paul goes further and says, among the saints, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral and impure and covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
What is he saying there? Don't joke about this stuff. <laughs> okay? Don't, uh, don't participate in joking about it. Don't, uh, don't encourage joking about it because it's real. What we do when we, uh, when we joke about uh, immorality and impurity in our lives is that, that we actually give a tacit approval to, to it. We say, this is funny, and it's, uh, it's, it exists in our culture, and it's okay, so we're just making light of it. Well, Paul says, don't joke about this, okay? It's not funny. And it's, it's honestly hard to not go to that step because it is so in everything we consume. I mean, name a sitcom that is out there today that doesn't have joking about sexual immorality or impurity. Name a night show that's, has no, that is completely pure and clean. Okay? It's difficult. It really is. Paul says, walk away. Walk the other way. See, the thing is that uh, the words that we share and speak define who we are. The things I say, the things I engage in, the things I approve of, they demonstrate what I believe my identity to be. And so if I'm going to, you know, encourage, you know, joking about immorality and impurity and, and covetousness in some way, what am I doing? I'm saying, yeah, that's okay. This is who I am. Paul says, if the people who are, are truly even, you might not be walking in this manner. You might not be uh, sexually immoral or impure or what have you. You might not have committed any actions that, that put you in that category. That might not be who you are operationally. But Paul says, why even joke about them if that's not who you are? Don't even joke about them because those people that you're joking about, they will not inherit the kingdom of Christ or of God. This is their life and this is what they've given themselves to. Don't joke about it. They're destined for a different direction. This is our culture. This week, um, many people, you know, put forth the RIPs for, uh, for Hugh Hefner, right? This is our culture, okay? And I'm telling you, if, if we joke about its presence, we're saying, ah, oh, yeah, no big deal. But I'm telling you, it might have seemed that Hugh was successful in life, Right? lived till he was 91, had plenty of money and resources all of his life. You know what? I think what the Bible is saying is that he didn't receive the inheritance he needed. He might have been nice and good in this life and well-fed and all. He didn't inherit the kingdom of Christ or of God. I don't, I don't know, Hugh, but based on what I see... I doubt that that was what he's inheriting.
So I think what Paul is saying here is, when you see something that's dark, and you know it's dark inside because you can feel that, don't try and like figure out, this is what we like to do with morality and things. We like to say, okay, here's the line. I wonder if that line can go a little bit further. Maybe it can go a little further this way. Maybe darkness is just, maybe it's just over here a little bit more. What Paul is saying is, stop looking at the line. <laughs> don't worry about the line. Don't, don't walk into darkness. Walk away from darkness. Don't worry about where the line is and trying to redefine the line and place the line somewhere else and figure it out. Where could the line be? Paul says, if you want to make the right decisions in life, you want to follow in the kingdom of God, don't walk toward the darkness. Don't examine where the darkness might be. When you see the darkness, turn and walk the other way. How do you become someone who avoids the traps of your flesh and of this world and of the forces of evil in this life? You take your eyes off of the darkness and you place them on something else. You don't avert them down to the line and try and examine it. Well, how far can I go exactly and be okay? Maybe here. Yeah, that's probably good. No, he says, focus on the light. Walk toward the light. You know, as we're singing this morning, some beautiful songs about who God is and his sovereignty and how we are exalting him and praising him. Man, if our lives, if my life, I'm confessing before you, if my life was like that all the time, if like seven days a week, (laughs) I will exalt you, was the rhythm of my heart, I wouldn't have to worry about where the darkness line is. I wouldn't have to be concerned about am I getting too close to it or not. I would be basking in the presence of the Almighty God and His light. The best way to avoid the traps of our world isn't to examine where the darkness is and try and figure it out and define it. We like to define things a lot, way too much. The best way to, uh, to avoid the traps of this world is to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. This wisdom is given over and over in Scripture, Galatians 5, 16, 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not desire the, uh, you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Walk by the Spirit, you won't, des- you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Simple as that. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared and brings salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I'm telling you, we are not removed at all from the context and culture of Ephesians. And 
And so this wisdom for us to walk into the light is just as true today as it was then. Paul gives us a number of things to concentrate on, to, to work on, to, uh, to press into if we desire to avoid traps in our world. And, and they start with this, the, these two things, walking in love and walking in who we are as children of light. Verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant uh, offering and sacrifice to God. What's the first concentration of our life? Walk in the same sacrifice that Christ has made for you. Walk in the sacrificial love of Jesus. Jesus has transformed you and given you his presence and his light. Paul says, walk in that same sacrificial love. Look at every aspect of your life as an opportunity to lay yourself down for someone else. Whether that be your family whether it be your neighbor, whether that be your coworker, whether that be your friends, your gifts and talents and abilities and place in life and location that you live has been gifted to you, not for you to keep, but rather for you to walk in the same love with which God walked with himself in Christ, a sacrificial love. God gave all things to Christ and Christ laid all things out for us. So how then shall we live? Walk in love. All that you have and all the gifts and abilities you've been given have been given to you to pour out upon your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. First thing, walk in love. Second thing, walk as children of the light. Paul gives us a very clear definition of who we are in uh, verses 7 to 10. Therefore, do not become partners with them for, and I think this verse is really important to what it means to walk in the light, and I'm going to explain why, but verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You were darkness, and now you are light in the world. See, the tendency and the easy thing that can happen when we start saying, you just need to live a holy life, is that we can begin to start living this holiness movement type of life and say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z and start stacking up the good things and religious deeds that we're doing and say, this is how you're supposed to live. Y'all should come over here. Instead of remembering the fact that you were darkness and now you are light. There's a humility about this, right? That, that, that Christ has changed you from darkness into light. And so, yeah, you know, the reason you uh, commit to going to church and being part of a body of Christ and, and uh, pouring out the gifts and abilities that God has given you for his kingdom and that others might come in isn't so that you can stack up a list to present before God and say, see how holy I am. No. Or to, uh, to judge others on the standards by which they should live, but rather to remember that once I was darkness, 
Now I am light. So as we learned in Corinthians, you know, our perspective shouldn't be as ones who go judge the world and say, well, you got to get your act together and you, get, you need to do this and do that. You know what? They have no perspective or idea of what, uh, what morality is. It's completely lost its way. When our nation's capital can place a statue of a naked woman 45 feet tall next to the Washington Monument, we have lost our way, okay? We don't know what's up and down anymore, okay? We've forgotten everything. So we shouldn't expect to just start, you know, trying to tell them what they ought to do. No. Remember, that's, that's what you once were. And now this is who you are. There's humility about it as we walk in the light. Next, Paul says, um, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. There's fruit to walking in the light. When you're walking in the light, there's fruit in your life. There are things that show up, things that can be discerned. Are the, are the, are the fruits... Uh, your, your, uh, your, your resume into heaven? No, they're not. But there are tangible fruits that exist when you come into the light. There's an attitude shift in your, uh, in your spirit. There is a change in the activities that you will engage in or not engage in. Okay, there is fruit that comes from a life that has changed from darkness into light. So examine the fruit. Uh, Discern what pleases the Lord, he says. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, The truth is, and again, I'll I'll be completely honest, it's not easy to do this in our culture because of how prevalent uh, these things are. And so you have to discern. You have to discern, is it okay for me, not, not to place any standards really on anybody, but you have to ask the Holy Spirit of God, is it okay for me to watch this show? Is it okay for me to watch this show? Is it, and I'll say this to myself, is it okay for me to watch college football? Is it okay for me to watch college basketball? You have to ask yourself those questions and say, is this pleasing to the Lord for me to do this? And I would say that's a good question for us to ask about anything that we're doing. Not just the content we consume, but the activities that we do. About even the jobs that we take. Is, is it pleasing to the Lord for me to do this? It's a question for all of life. If we want to walk in the light, simply ask the Lord this question. Lord, is this pleasing to you? Is this a good and, and honorable and fruitful thing for your kingdom and for how you have gifted me today. Walk as children of the light. To walk into the light, we walk in love, we walk as children of the light, and we realize this truth that light transforms darkness. Light has the ability to transform darkness. I think Paul makes this argument at the end of the passage here. He says, Verses 12 to 14. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
the Spirit of God is in you as, as a Christian. And when you've come to know Jesus, the Spirit enters in, and, and you are light. You are, in fact, he says, once you were darkness, and now you are light. How did you become light? You were dark, and now you're light. Someone shared the light of Christ with you. As someone was around you and, and maybe demonstrated the light of Christ to you. And you know what happened? You were next to them and they walked in your room and they shined a big old light in your room and you're like, I want that. And you transformed. You said, whatever you've got, I need. Because what you've got has the answers to all of life's questions. And Jesus, all the answers are there. So all those questions that are rumbling around in our heads when we're in the darkness about what is my purpose in life and what am I going to do about my sin when I die and is there a heaven or is there, you know, all these questions, guess what? When the light of Christ shines upon you, when someone shares that with you, is willing to display their light before you, it awakens inside of you and you go from darkness into light. You see, the the importance of our righteousness and our holiness isn't so that we can be holier than thou or judgmental toward the darkness or, or uh, try and show people how great we are by our good works. It's not about that at all. But what happens when, when you are those things, when you are focused completely on the light and walking through this culture that we exist in, your light shines. Upon darkness. And it turns out your light is greater than the darkness. That's the beautiful image of light, that when light comes into a dark room, the room is light. Right? There's a evangelistic component to your righteousness and your holiness. As you walk in the light, It's displayed to those around you. While there's maybe, you know, laughing about the fact that there's this statue on our our monument or whatever. You know, you handle that differently. Like, yeah, that's awful. And you're not going to joke about it probably. Like, that's truly terrible. You know? Your light can transform the darkness Paul says, you once were darkness, and how you became light is through the light of Christ. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And for anything that becomes visible, it is light. Therefore, Paul says this, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. How are, to, how are we to walk in, in a world that is full of traps and snares everywhere? We're not to worry about where the line is. We're not to engage in or, or examine the darkness. No. Leave those things where they are. They've been there forever, and they'll be there till the end, till they're destroyed completely. And so ignore them. <laughs> okay? Run from them. 
Not from the people that are caught up in them, okay? You're naturally going to run into people that are stuck in this, okay? But for yourself, you're a child of the light. Walk in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. Walk out of the darkness and into the light. And when we do that, the, the light that is in us, again, it, it fills dark, dark rooms. It shines upon those who need hope and need answers to life's questions. Okay, when storms of life rush over all of us and we cling to an eternal hope that is better and bigger than these things, guess what? That is seen by everybody around. Walk out of the dark. Walk into the light. God, we thank you that you can make things very simple for us. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to discern what is pleasing unto you. Thank you that you have shown us what is dark and what is light. You've shown us that there are things that are terrible for our souls and terrible for our bodies and terrible for our eternal destination even that lead us in the wrong direction. And you show us that there are good, true, and right things for us to walk in. May we cherish your presence and, and cherish your wisdom and cherish your pleasure. May our, our lives be living the same words that we sing on a Sunday morning. That we will exalt you. We will exalt you. We will exalt you. You are our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.